Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dustin and Eric Podcast Show, brought to you by Mimosa Networks. Hi, I'm Dustin. I'm Eric. And today we're talking about grounding on episode 13, part 2. Hey, who's, who are these guys right uh, here? Uh, these guys? I don't know. Who are these guys? They know us already. This is Art. <laughs> and this I'm is... Jeff. <laughs> and uh, thanks for coming back to the show, hey, guys. It's good to be here. I, uh, I guess we still haven't scared hey, you away yet. We're... Eric hasn't done his thing to, to scare you guys off. So. Hey, Art, you're wearing the same shirt you were on the previous podcast. Oh, How'd my that God. Work? You're absolutely right. This oh, is my. Crazy. This is <laughs> we, Oh, we all crazy. are. Crazy. Interesting. So uh, today we're, we're talking about grounding. And so why do we need to ground? Who wants to answer that question? Well, I think there's a couple of good reasons to ground. One is obviously to bleed off any static electricity that can build up over time. You know, a lot of times we think grounding has to do with, you know, a lightning strike. Let's face it, if, if you get a direct hit with a lightning strike, uh, your radio is pretty much uh, toast. But what grounding provides over not grounding is the ability for the electricity to have a path to ground, to uh, earth ground, that is. You want to have a, a, a wire that has less than 5 ohms of resistance to earth ground. And then most importantly, I would say, is to have ground outside of the building so that it never enters the premise because, you know, electricity, static electricity buildup is one thing, but having a, a near or, or direct hit from a lightning strike would uh, wreak a lot of havoc on your house. I think uh, we saw some video or some pictures earlier that showed that. And by grounding on the outside, uh, if you do get a near strike, the, the, the bolt of the hit's going to take the path of less resistance or the shortest path that's right to earth that's right so let's 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 tackle that issue on the outside of the dwelling the telecom shelter in the house of the commercial property. yeah it's definitely a yeah. safeguard because you know path the electricity will follow the least resistance and so if you have a direct path yeah. to ground outside the house then you know chances are that electricity is not going to enter the building so a lot of customers, lot of customers will use surge arresters before it goes, before we go inside the building, yep. and as it goes out the building, they'll put a surge arrestor in both locations. Sure. Yep, yep. So, I mean, the the problem with that kind of scenario is that you've got a lot more cabling involved, and you got to do it right in each and every span. So you're dealing with a lot more um, potentially more variables that can go wrong, but you're also it's the safest scenario for uh, uh, protection. So you're looking at protecting all four pairs in a, in a network cable. Uh, as well, that obviously there's the, the protection circuit and these NIDs and these other uh, like lightning arresters, surge arresters. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. looking at they're looking at each each conductor has its own uh, little diode or some kind of protection circuit that'll open up. But as far as grounding, because I've, I've always heard that you should always have uh, a common ground. Uh, but I think what you guys were talking about that the uh, uh, least uh, the shortest path. path to ground, right? Yeah. Uh, as long as as long as the potential is the same, right, on, on either yeah. end. Then it makes sense, right? But if you have different potential, then you still want to you want to still find the most common common earth ground. Yep, yep. Uh, is, is your better scenario. So, what are some common ground points on, say, a residential? Uh, uh say a, a residential, maybe a, a water spigot, or a, you know, the copper uh, copper port where you hook your, your your hose up to water the garden. Um, that most of those, and I guess this depends on local uh, uh, regulations and house and building and, and all that most of that 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 copper uh, or that's going to be copper all the way to the run to earth that's that's one point um, to you, that you can go you can put a ground strap on there and go to that so you want to know why I asked you specifically Eric oh why is that because you have a good video on YouTube about it already oh we do yeah we do so yeah 
So uh, I think uh, one of the more common uh, questions we see in chat, or at least I know I have, is how do you ground when you're on a commercial rooftop? Yeah, one of the uh, ways that that we, we, we do that is uh, to go to, like, the uh, part of the HVAC systems. There's often a... Um, uh, what's the condenser and the cop little copper tubes and stuff? And those those right. those go to the primary building ground on the on the outside of these these buildings, and so that's one way to get to earth, fairly directional without having a long uh, you know, a, a grounding or copper line. So, what's one type of metal pipe we should stay away from on commercial and residential uh, premises? Yeah, gas. Never never touch uh, gas gas pipe, right? gas, pu gas pipes. But why not? Well, you know. <laughs> Hey, half the state's on fire right now. Let's <laughs> let's let's uh, let's play it safe. <laughs> yeah, we we don't want any more fires. But that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Good mm -hmm. good question. How you know how do you, how do you ground on top of a building or in a, in a commercial environment? I mean, that comes up uh, quite often based on our based on our, our product that we've you know, our enterprise and uh, and Wisp solution. We get we encounter all types of scenarios. So I think that that's a very common. Yeah, yeah. There's e EMT pipe. Uh, you, I guess you got to. You can work with uh, your building engineer, uh, you know, the guy that goes up and down the roof that lives in the building on and off site and say, hey, this is what I'd like to do. And, and he can point you in a direction. Or if so, you have, you know, an electrician or somebody, that yeah. some, you know, you can, for these kind of yeah. things, you may want to hire an electrician. Those, those guys sure, know that. To make sure the grounding done, is done right. Well, they, they also study and they keep up on. And they know that NEC, you know, the, the National Electric Codes, et cetera, and the fire, F yeah, right. NFPA, the Fire uh, Protection Agency Code and all that stuff. Also make sure that you note that pretty much every piece of electronic equipment has some kind of ground lug on it somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if you're deploying equipment in, say, a, a plastic NEMA box or a metal NEMA box, it has ground lugs on it for you to ground that box. But it also has lugs on the inside for you to ground your equipment to, like your mm -hmm. switches and your routers and things like that you're going to put in your box, uh, your inverters, your converters, anything electrical usually has some way to ground it. So it could take, it would be a kind of, kind of a common uh, bonding point. Right. And then on the outside of that, that box, you can go to earth from there in a single point. Yeah, one thing you have to make sure is you know, the difference between grounding and bonding. Uh, grounding is just what we're talking about here where you're providing a direct route to a piece of metal that has a... Uh, less than five ohms resistance to earth ground. Bonding is what you're talking about as far as having um, multiple ground points in, in a system there. Uh, there's You don't want to just bond and call that ground. You definitely want to make sure that all the bond, bond points come to a common ground and then from there egresses down to a uh, electrical or earth ground. So in, in, uh, in telecom practice, uh, we take a, like a six foot tall, uh, 19 inch rack, and it's got individual uh, devices on board. And again, most of those chassis have a little ground uh, screw, so you can take a lug there. And what you want to do, bonding wise, is each piece is going to each piece will have a little pigtail, and that'll go to the metal rack, the 19 inch rack, with a little four or five inch pigtail off that device. And then you go to the next device, a couple of rack units lowered. Uh, go from uh, make a little uh, a pigtail that jumper there that goes to the rack and all the way down for each piece from there the rack will go into a halo on the floor or some some kind of uh, a common uh, earth point that you know that goes outside or an, or there might be a halo or a copper uh, bus bar 
around the inside of the telecom shelter, for example. And again, those individual racks will come up to that with X gauge, with a very thick gauge of uh, copper conductor. But each individual device has its little sweep, short sweep down. Uh, and those are the individual multiple bonding points. Right. right? right. Excellent. So uh, looking here on the screen here, we've got just a example of one that took a direct hit and lightning traveled all the way down the cable inside the house and, and blew up everything. So this customer didn't have any grounding on the C5, didn't have a NID in place or anything like that. So nothing to even remotely try and stop the, uh, the surge from coming inside. So Eric? Ho hopefully you can, can, you know, if you take a near, uh, a near hit or a hit, Hopefully, maybe we can, we can by doing that, all, all, grounding all that properly, we can save a, a piece of equipment or two inside. But uh, more than likely, you're, gonna, you're just going to, uh, everything's going to be toast. You're going to fry everything up. But. Well, it's, if you think about a, a NID is what, $10, $15, right? So think of it as a cheap insurance policy. I know I've talked to a few insurance adjusters, and the first thing that they look when there's a situation like this where it's hit, like lightning strike has hit hit the house is they're going to look and see what type of uh, of uh, insurance or um, you know path of uh, ground has been put in place. If they don't see that, then yeah. you may have some issues with uh, collecting the policy money. So 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 I've 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 seen where there's a whole blowout like this. Things are properly grounded. They use they've got a, a three thousand dollar AC surge protection system in mm -hmm. the rack. Um, and yeah, you better be if you want to collect on that policy. You better be. You better be have sure it in place. That, that it's all all there in place. Yes. Right. Yep. So yep. An, a quick example is uh, my last place I worked at. We had an installer who put up a similar situation to this here. Didn't ground anything, and uh, it got hit by lightning directly, blew it apart, uh, blew the wall out, caught on fire. Actually, they had to. Luckily, they had a fire extinguisher nearby, but because there was no grounding at all insurance wouldn't pay for it and yeah. they sued the company and the company had to pay for repairs on the house because of oh, the damage oh. because ultimately since the installer didn't try to do any kind of grounding it was the oh, company's oh. liability the isp had to pay right. for the oh. yeah i don't want to turn anyone in but i've heard customers tell me that they don't like grounding because it's such a hassle and you know it takes extra steps and running cabling and terminating all that and i i understand it because i was installed once upon a time it does take a little extra effort but think about what you're gambling with you know the fact that you're you're bringing uh, that type of electricity or in this case a lightning strike right into your home so um don't cut corners i think it's safe to say that you know so another thing let's let's say we don't take a direct hit we want to we want to have that uh grounding on the outside before it gets in the dwelling for just ESD, electrostatic discharge. Just just an antenna, small antenna, large antenna, television antenna, off-air antenna, the antenna on the top of the motor home next to the house. Just just from wind, just from the uh, the molecules, just from, just from all that static, static buildup build in mm -hmm. the air, that stuff's gonna collect on the, a PVC surface or an aluminum metal antenna surface, and it's next it's not going to go anywhere. It might not be able to leak to earth or go anywhere and discharge slowly or fast. And you, you might damage the sensitive electronics in, on that PC board inside right. that uh, inside your uh, your client radio or your, your backhaul radio. So, Art, uh, so. how often do you see Ethernet ports blown because of uh, ESD not having anywhere to go? Yeah. 
Oh, uh, so pretty pretty calm. Where uh, we'll get we'll get complaints from customers about the uh, hey, I was I was working at a gig all the time. All of a sudden, yeah. now it's only getting a hundred. I can't go, I can't go higher than that. Uh, a lot of times, ESD is the is the main reason why that's happening. And they check their connectors, and, and all four Nothing pairs are good. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. Nothing it, it maps out electronically. Everything's perfect. But what happened? Yeah. So up. so right. So ES, ESD will be a, is, is a is a common factor okay. as far as the uh, uh, speed negotiation issues that we run into. So one last thing, Art here manages our documentation. He's got some really good stuff online that talks about this, right? Some grounding and how to do it. We do actually, yeah. So we, uh, we've, we're constantly beefing up our, uh, our grounding and uh, um, our Ethernet flapping, Ethernet negotiation uh, documentation. So any kind of questions or troubleshooting in regards to uh, Ethernet, uh, please check out our help.mosa.co uh, and just type in Ethernet. You'll get a, a lot of our uh, uh, knowledge and logic Awesome. As far as troubleshooting. Excellent. So uh, we'll go ahead and end that show here today. Uh, if you have any questions about grounding or cabling, feel free to, you know, contact support. Feel free to email us at podcast at mimosa.co. We're more than willing to sit down and, you know, help you guys out. Make sure you guys have a, a decent, stable one gig connection and a fully grounded system. So uh, with that, uh, thanks, Art and Jeff, for being on uh, the show here again. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Dustin Eric Podcast Show. Thanks for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe or follow button to stay up to date with our latest podcast, which will be available on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.